Every time I hear this theme, I think of the Bulls in the 90s. I go back to the last dance. I may watch an episode tonight. We've seen a lot of cool things coming out after the airing of the Bulls, the last dance on ESPN, Jersey Shoes. We've talked to so many auction houses. How about books? Dr. Michael Lewis is the former Bulls doctor. He was there in 97 and 98 for that magical final season. He has a new book out entitled The Balls in Your Court, and Dr. Michael Lewis joins us now. Thank you for taking the time today. How are you? Thank you. I'm very good, but you just described me as the old Bulls doctor, but I have to say, Pete, I'm feeling young and feisty. (laughs) Uh, I see that Michael Jordan is on the cover of your book. How did you score that? Uh, Well, that's an interesting uh, story. Uh, The only way to, to, uh, to score that is to either pay Michael Jordan several million dollars are uh, to know the uh, Bulls photographer at the time, Bill Smith, <laughs> and to, who had copyright to, uh, to that picture. You're a smart man, Doctor. I like that. I like it. Um, what did you think of The Last Dance? You lived it. Tell me, uh, tell me your thoughts. What did you think? Well, uh, I had several reactions. First, I thought it certainly did a good job of capturing the joy and excitement that Michael brought to Chicago. And uh, since uh, Black Lives Matter is at the forefront of our consciousness, let me state the obvious. It was Michael Jordan who brought such joy to Chicago and to the rest of the world and such prestige to Chicago. But uh, uh, certainly I think it did a good job of capturing the magic, but one thing that uh, where I thought it fell short was not giving Jerry Krause enough uh, credit. Uh, Jerry Krause was a genius. Don't forget, uh, Jerry is the one who brought Phil Jackson onto the team. He discovered Scottie Pippen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made the uh, very... Uh, turned out to be brilliant choice, but ex- potentially explosive choice of bringing Dennis Rodman on board. Mm-hmm. So uh, on the one hand, he was a genius. On the other hand, uh, he was a walking public relations disaster. Yeah. He wasn't good with the press. So uh, unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago. But even if he had still been present, uh, I'm not sure he would have defended himself very well. Uh, but can I tell you one story that, to me, uh, uh, gives you an idea of uh, his his perfectionism? I would love it. Go ahead. Uh, one uh, uh, one evening during the playoffs, uh, he was leaving the United Center, and his bags were packed. So I said, Jerry, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Europe to scout a player. Uh, And I said, as if he didn't know, I said, Jerry, it's the middle of the playoffs. Why don't you just watch uh, film of him uh, in the game? And he said he's going to Europe to watch this player to observe his body language when he was on the bench and not playing. So to me, that was a fascinating example of his, that he was as much a perfectionist as a scout as Michael Jordan was is a player. 
Isn't that crazy? You know, Jerry Krause, he does not get enough credit. He was a great general manager. I mean, think about it. Rodman for Will Purdue, and we won three more championships. That trade right there is crazy. But he, you're right, he got in his own way, and they needed a villain for the last dance, and he was the villain, wasn't he? Well, he was the villain, and that reminds me, I, I uh, from a writer's perspective, the last dance felt a bit Shakespearean. You had superhero Michael Jordan. You had evil empire Jerry Krause. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had crazy clown Dennis, wise Uncle Phil, <laughs> uh, loyal sidekick Scotty. So it, uh, yeah. Shakespeare would have loved it, I think. <laughs> that is so true. Dr. Michael Lewis on the phone with us. He was the Bulls doctor back in. Were you just the Bulls doctor from 97 and 98? Or no, no, no. Oh, Actually, I, was, I uh, continued for several more years. Okay. Uh, but clearly those were the most... Uh, exciting times. Um, before I ask you about Michael Jordan, you're donating all the profits to charity. What is that charity? And uh, tell us all about it. Well, thank you for mentioning that. The uh, I'm actually overwhelmed at some of the reaction to the book. The charity is the Himalayan Cataract Project. And the reason that I picked that charity is that my wife and I saw our good friend Jeff Tabin who is a uh, professor of ophthalmology at Stanford. He's the director of this organization, and we saw him perform several hundred cataract surgeries in Ghana, Mm -hmm. and he goes to underserved areas. And people who've been blind for years, one day after the surgery can see perfectly. It's just miraculous. And for $25 an eye, I just can't think of a... uh, a better cause, and a friend of mine uh, told me that he was so inspired by the book that he donated $10,000 to the Himalayan Cataract Project. So the book's already uh, uh, accomplished something important. Wow, is that just great. I was going to ask you because I knew it was cheap, but it's $25 an eye, so $50 where someone who couldn't see, now can see. I mean, exactly. there's so many of these doctors that are going overseas or headed to Africa and doing God's work and donating their time and paying their own way. I mean, I, I love organizations like this. I really do, Doc. Well, the important thing about this organization is this number is going to be hard to believe, but they've done over 900,000 cataract surgeries because... Uh, Jeff and his team don't just come in and swoop into a country and operate on the king's cousin. They teach the local doctors how to perform the procedure. Oh, my God. So uh, it's it's as good as it gets as a charity. So they're going in and they're changing the culture and, and, and actually educating these people. Well, and not only that, when you operate on, uh, on one person... You're bringing typically at least two people back into the workforce because families needed to have one person keep an eye on the, you know, the blind member of the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, So once that person can see, you've, you know, you've generated two more people who can 
who can work. It's right. spectacular. Wow. We're talking to Dr. Michael Lewis, the former Bulls doctor. The name of his book is called The Balls in Your Court. A doctor shares life lessons. You would think that the first thing that you would talk about is Phil Jackson, because Phil always had a lesson. I mean, that's what came out of the Bulls camp back in the day. And when you hear about Phil Jackson, he always has a lesson or there's something to be learned. What did you learn from Phil Jackson? Uh, Well, I learned several things from uh, observing Phil Jackson. One is... uh, uh, the credibility that he had and how important that was. Phil himself, uh, as you probably remember, had championship rings as his time with the uh, New York Knicks. Yep, yep. He had dealt with adversity. He'd had back fusion surgery. Uh, and he'd also paid his uh, dues. He had coached for many years. So uh, one, uh, one part of the equation is his credibility. Uh, Another uh, facet was his astonishing ability to know exactly what buttons to push for each uh, person. Mm -hmm. He was exquisitely sensitive. For example, I remember in one medical meeting, he said that a particular player was uh, lagging in energy and seemed a little... uh, depressed, so he was going to give him more playing time to give him a boost. But there were just so many behind-the-scenes examples of how sensitive he was and knowing exactly, uh, you know, what buttons to push. Uh, Also, one of the things you realize from being around the team is how extraordinarily difficult it is with so many distractions to keep uh, to keep everybody uh, focused. Right. And uh, he was also brilliant about that. People don't realize how grueling the season is and how uh, everybody winds up playing hurt. And uh, to keep everybody focused and on point uh, really was a, a stroke of genius. Right. We've talked to so many uh, former players that played for the Bulls in the 90s, and they've always said that it was like being, uh, it was like the Beatles. Every city that they went to, it was a circus, and that lasted forever, especially as Michael's star grew and grew and grew. But one of the things that we've always said, Doc, on this show is, Phil Jackson knew how to manage personalities. He was so good at that. Think about it. You had Michael, you had Scotty, you had Dennis. I mean, you saw it in the last dance. We all saw it where Dennis needed time off in the middle of the season, and he just needed to go away for a while, and Phil understood that. He understood how crazy Dennis was, but they knew that they had the eye on the prize, and they all knew that the prize was the championship. May shock you, but what it took to motivate Michael Jordan wasn't the same thing that motivated Dennis Rodman. Uh, of course. And uh, and by the way, the the story about when Dennis Rodman took off in the middle of the season that was actually the All Star break. Uh, so for dramatic effect, they didn't emphasize that point. Of course, yes. Yeah, and um, yeah, I I still loved every minute of it, and I don't want to give away the ending if people haven't seen it, but the Bulls do win. They do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Doc, I'm going to take a quick break, and uh, I'm going to ask you about Michael Jordan and what was it like just being around him, you know, a, a complete competitor like that. Can you hold on a second? Yes. Uh, Dr. Michael Lewis on the phone with us, the former Bulls uh, doctor. The name of the book is called The Balls in Your Court, available everywhere and, of course, at Amazon.com. It's 720 WGN. McMurray in the Skyline Studios on the phone with us is Dr. Michael Lewis, former Bulls doctor. The uh, name of the book is called The Balls in Your Court. Doc, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player, basketball player in the history of the NBA. What was he like to be around on a daily basis? Well, I'll tell you some of my uh, experiences with Michael Jordan that uh, aren't things that uh, you've may have known, even though uh, there have been countless books written about him. Uh, One night, uh, ten minutes before a game, he had such severe neck pain that he could not move his neck in any direction. So I suggested that he not play that night, and he looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) Uh, And he he said, fans have come from hundreds and sometimes thousands of miles away to see me play, and I'm not going to disappoint them. Wow. So his sense of obligation to the fans and his teammates into the league is, I think, an underappreciated uh, facet to his personality. Uh, another facet is that uh, I've found that he could be very funny. Now, sometimes his sense of humor could be very biting, but... Uh, one example of uh, his sense of humor was it was Dennis Rodman's birthday, and someone asked him if he uh, had bought a present uh, for Dennis for his birthday. So he replied that he didn't think he could go into those kind of places from where Dennis would want a birthday present. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, another uh, quality uh, that he had that that's quite extraordinary was his self-control and ability to focus. Uh, think about what I'm about to tell you. He, uh, and for more than 10 years, uh, on a daily basis, had dozens of microso- microphones uh, you know, shoved into his face yep. asking him questions. And never once in more than 10 years whether he had just come from a winning a game or losing a game or he was terribly disappointed or feeling good, he never once said something really stupid. That, that's quite extraordinary. Boy, that's a, I, that's a great point. You really don't have a soundbite of Jordan saying something dumb like that. You're right. Yeah, it's remarkable. And you're right. It's an underappreciated point. Uh, one other point about Michael is his, uh, and this has been mentioned, but I'll give you a personal example, uh, his ability to focus and to block out distractions. One night, just before a game, he and I were in the training room, and his father's killers came on TV. And I had no idea what his reaction was going to be, but he looked at me and he just shrugged his shoulders, and I took that uh, to mean that I knew he deeply loved his father, who was his best friend, Right. 
But uh, my interpretation was that he knew that uh, that being angry uh, at those killers wouldn't bring his father back, so it uh, it was a waste of energy, and he needed to focus on the task at hand. To me, that was a very profound uh, lesson. He held his emotions very close to his chest, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He did. Uh, he, uh, uh, I did mention, uh, I mean, there are many other Michael Jordan stories that I could tell you, uh, but I, I just mentioned Dennis Rodman and his uh, birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just have to tell you uh, one of my favorite Dennis Rodman stories. Uh, I was treating him for a condition, and I'm very careful in the book, by, by the way, not to uh, break any confidences. Right. Uh, and everything that's discussed are either stories that are well known in the media. Uh, but uh, I was treating Dennis Rodman for a condition. Uh, and two weeks into the uh, this uh, injury, he was uh, basically ignoring my brilliant advice. <laughs> and I'm uh, just yes, just by coincidence, uh, I heard him talking to Steve Kerr in the training room about Janis Joplin, the rock singer. Okay. So I chimed in and said that I had heard her in concert when I was an intern in San Francisco. So suddenly I could see the wheels turning in Dennis's brain. Right. And he he clearly thought to himself, well, if this doctor was cool enough to hear Janis Joplin in concert, maybe I should pay more attention to his medical advice. Mm -hmm. So he started listening to me, and I'm happy to report that uh, he got better and contributed mightily to the... uh, Sixth championship. Isn't that interesting how you can connect with uh, different people on different levels? Exactly. He was a big music guy, too. The Balls in Your Court is the name of the book. Dr. Michael Lewis on the phone with us, former Bulls doctor. i got to ask you about a few things. Scotty's back in the 98 NBA championship. I mean, how bad was that? He could barely stand up. Uh, Well, that was... uh Yes, that is uh, that is true, and Scotty was a very tough guy. But my main uh, experience with Scotty had to do with his foot injury. Uh, first, one of the stories that related to uh, Scotty was uh, at his charity game. His foot was so painful that he couldn't uh, uh, play in his own charity game. And Ray Allen, one of the players, sure. brought in a small, harmless snake uh, into the locker room. And Scotty was deathly afraid of snakes. <laughs> so uh, six foot eight Scotty used five foot eight Michael Lewis as a human shield to protect him from this <laughs> harmless snake. And that led the uh, led off the ten o'clock news that night. Oh, jeez! Wow. Uh, but. Uh, Eventually, uh, we went to New York, and uh, Dr. William Hamilton in New York and I operated on Scotty's foot, and I'm happy to report that that's what enabled him to, he made a wonderful recovery, and that's what enabled him to participate in those 1998 uh, playoffs. 
Hey, Go ahead. In Doc, how about the flu game with Michael Jordan? Was it the flu or was it food poisoning, as he mentioned in the last dance? Well, that's, uh, I think, still to be uh, determined. I think we'll have to get Perry Mason or some uh, <laughs> NYPD uh, police uh-huh. on the case we're not, to, we're to not, answer that. We're not quite sure. Yes. Right. <laughs> and I do have to mention, you also did some consulting for the Chicago White Sox. You had a uh, a relationship with Bill Veck. What was he like? And uh, give me a few stories about him. Well, Bill Veck. People ask me all the time, "Who is your most unforgettable character in uh, uh, you know in in the sports world?" Expecting me to say either Michael Jordan or Phil Jackson or Scottie Pippen or Dennis Rodman, and those are you know, larger-than-life characters. Yep. But my most unforgettable character was Bill Veck, and I was so fortunate to be able to spend a lot of time with him. He was much larger than life. He had a wooden leg, and uh, the first, and he cut a hole in his wooden leg. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw him use that hole in his wooden leg as an ashtray, oh, yeah. my, my uh, eyes almost popped out of my head. Uh, but Bill Veck was the, was just a creative genius. He once showed me a box of index cards, hundreds of cards. Each one had an idea. So, for example, Bill Veck is the person who invented this, the exploding scoreboard. Uh, he invented curtain calls after home runs. It was his idea to have Harry Carey sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. The iconic Carey singing that, you know, during seventh inning stretch. He came up with names on the back of uniforms. Uh, And uh, speaking of uh, names on the back of uniforms, he was famous for having a little person come to bat when he was with the St. Louis Browns, whose name was Eddie Goodell. Yep. Uh, do you have any idea what his number was on the back of his uniform? I do not, but I feel like you're going to tell me. Uh, you're absolutely right. His number was one-eighth. <laughs> one-eighth. Oh. Uh, and uh, Bill had a great sense of humor. Uh, one of my many favorite uh, stories from Bill Veck that he told me was that he had been the owner for the St. Louis Browns. And uh, at the time, they had the lowest attendance in the league. And one time, someone called the box office, and Bill Veck, the owner, answered the phone. And the person said, uh, I'd like to uh, come to the the Saturday matinee. Uh, What time is the game? So Bill Veck said, how many in your party? So the person on the other uh, end of the line said, six. So Bill Vick's answer was, what time would be convenient for you? (laughs) (laughs) We'll move around the game just to appease you. I like that. Uh, Dr. Michael Lewis, thank you for sharing those stories. We really appreciate it. The name of the book is called The Balls in Your Court, available everywhere. And again, the money raised from this book will go to charity. And mention that charity one more time, Doc. It's Himalayan Cataract uh, Project. So please buy the book. Uh, I hope you'll be inspired and amused, and uh, it goes to a uh, very, very worthwhile cause. Thank you so much, Pete. Thank you, sir, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Have a great Sunday. Thanks so much.